0: You either own your thoughts or your thoughts will own you. How many of y'all remember your very first car? Anybody remember your first car? You're like, please don't bring back those memories I got out of my mind. My first car was, it was great. It was a 1999 red Jeep Grand Cherokee. The paint was faded. The seats were torn. And the AC, the only way you can get it to work was by like, hitting the compressor. So I literally had to drive around with a golf club in my passenger seat so I could like jimmy the compressor, like, please, it's 112 degrees outside right now. Lord, please, your provision. I need this AC to work. It was a trash car, I'll be honest. But I paid for that thing, so I loved it. It might have been a trash car, but let me tell you, it was my trash car. You know what I'm saying? That first car pride. Then a few years later, I got my next car. This was a little bit of an upgrade. It was uh, 2006. Uh, Volkswagen, Passat. And like I said, small upgrade, but there was one big problem. The stereo inside this car was terrible, guys. Like, it could barely connect to the radio stations. And if I tried to push the buttons just slightly ever too hard, it would fall into the dashboard. I had to fish it out. Or if I stopped too suddenly at the stoplight, it would like plop into my lap. I was like, I'm going to save myself some headaches. I took the thing out of the dashboard. And for the next year, I literally drove around with a huge hole. And if that's not the most rickety, ghetto-looking thing I've ever seen, I don't know what is. It was just terrible. It was ugly. Um, And I could have let it be embarrassing. But again, it was my trash car. So I didn't care. That was until I met a girl named Dominique. And we started dating. How many of you all know? How many of y'all husbands know when you met your wife, you had two shirts to your name, and she fixed you up. Your wives are like, thank goodness I got rid of those underwear with holes in it. They're gone. I fixed this dude up, and he now he knows. But in this story, I started to actually care now how I presented myself, and I was like, dang, I can't be picking my girlfriend up in this disgusting car. What if she thinks I'm trashy? What if she doesn't like me anymore? I was just waiting till the day where I found a note on my windshield that said, Find a new car and a new girlfriend, I'm done with you. You either own your thoughts or your thoughts will own you. I started to get in my mind that Dom hated being picked up in this car by me, so therefore she must hate me. But the cool thing was that year for my birthday, Dominique hands me this box and inside I find a state-of-the-art, brand new, touchscreen stereo for my car with GPS, Bluetooth, everything, all the bells and whistles for my car. So and I realized at that moment, I'm going to marry this girl as soon as I can because if I don't, I would have been making the biggest mistake in my life. This is one of the greatest gifts I've ever received, y'all. But man, I... I started to see that the the thoughts I thought about the car started translating into lies about Dom. No one was thinking except me. You know what I mean? And I started to think, man, I can't let this get away. I have to start owning my thoughts. And today, thank goodness, thank Jesus, Dom and I have been married going on four years. We have a daughter. We have our very own home. And I'm grateful I learned the lesson. That when you allow your thoughts to control you, it it starts to change how you perceive yourself and others. You either own your thoughts or your thoughts will own you. And today, we're on day one of a new year. Day one of a new slate. In a time where we're hopeful and full of joy and energy of trying to make something new for ourselves. Today we tell ourselves, happy new year. As if to wish, like, I hope you have a year full of happiness, full of joy. But the reality is so many of us in our minds, even in the back of our minds, hold the thought, yeah, but it could just be like last year. In a week or two, the joy will will die out. The optimism and the hope will fizzle out. I mean, how many of us have had a New Year's resolution that we picked on this date only for it to fall through a few weeks later? And by that time, what was once hopeful has now become hopeless. You either own your thoughts or your thoughts will own you. There's something we need to take so seriously because we end up with the question, why? Why can't I be joyful? Why can't I keep a resolution? Why can't I own my thoughts? To help answer these questions, I want to peel the curtain back a little bit. And see how the brain really works. Can I just nerd out for a second? This is what I live for. I love studying psychology and the brain. But, man, did you know that the average person thinks 50,000 thoughts a day? Some of the wives in here are like, maybe try 50 thoughts a day for my husband, but it's whatever. 50,000 thoughts every day. That could either be good or bad for you because there's no such thing as a neutral thought. Every thought you have is either positive or negative. It's either pulling you closer to Christ or repelling you away from Christ. Most of the battles, most of life's major battles, in fact, are won and lost in the mind. Research actually shows 90% of the thoughts you'll think today are actually repeat thoughts that you thought yesterday. Let that sink in. So my question is, What did you think about yesterday? Better yet, what did you think about this entire past year? What is the 90% you'll be carrying into 2003? When you remember 2002 or 2002, that was a long time ago. I was six years old. I uh, was in California, a little Mexican boy, craving McDonald's. No, but when you look back on 2022, Do you only remember the bad things that happened? Do you only remember the pain that you might have felt? The shame you might have experienced? The guilt that might have been harboring in your heart? Maybe you're here today. In 2022, your mind was taking you in a place you didn't like. And like so many people on earth today, your thoughts, your mind has become the scariest place on earth for you. How will you win the battle for your mind this year? You either own your thoughts or your thoughts will own you. And today we're going to be reading out of the book of Matthew in the third chapter. If you have your Bibles, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew was a real historical figure who lived and walked with Jesus, and he wrote down, he saw Jesus, he wrote down the things he saw Jesus doing in something called the gospel. <coughs> and Uh, He he was able to write down different historical periods of Jesus' life. And in this excerpt of scripture that we're going to be reading today, Jesus gives us a glimpse of what it means to truly identify and truly define yourself with what God's word says about you. In this piece of history, we see Jesus coming to the river Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. And in Matthew chapter 3, it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Wow. Can you imagine being there in this moment? To give you context. In all of scripture, y'all, there's only three times when the voice of God is audibly heard from heaven. And this is one of them. Meaning we need to pay attention. God uses this monumental way to describe to the world, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I love how the father says he is well pleased with Jesus. He didn't say I'm going to be well pleased with him. Keep in mind. This is before Jesus had started his earthly ministry. Jesus hadn't done any kind of works and yet the father still affirmed him. Jesus never had to earn his father's love. He simply had it by being his son. I'm going to say that one more time. I really think someone needs to hear it. I think we all need to hear it in 2023. Jesus never had to earn God's love simply had it already in him by being his son. And we're able to see that this monumental moment can teach us a thing or two about how to proceed in the next year. Because our enemy is always prowling. Our enemy is always devising new ways of trying to get us to slip up. And we see this actually in the next verse. It's literally, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, period. Next word. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, it's a long time without food, afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Jesus was just given his identity by the father. And two seconds later, the enemy's trying to get him to doubt it. How many of us can relate to that? Where... God affirms you, and then the attacks come. God gives you a new hope, and then the attacks come. Oftentimes, the biggest mind games in our life come right after the biggest God moments in our life. And we need to stay prepared, because the enemy doesn't just poke us once. He tries again and again and again, and we see this in the next verse. It says, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the Son of God throw yourself down. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. I find it interesting, those words, if you are the son of God. Because I don't think it's a coincidence that the thing God had just confirmed about Jesus of being his son was the very thing Satan was trying to attack now. He's essentially saying to Jesus, you don't really believe you're the son of God, do you? I mean, the Father said it, but we need way more proof than that. Doesn't he need to perform a miracle in your life? Doesn't he need to do something to you to make you believe it? He's not attacking Jesus' morality here. He's attacking his identity. Because Satan knows the truth that who we are will define what we do. And if you ever only knew your true identity in God, you would never settle for a falsehood again. And this is something that we need to be aware of. He's trying to play mind games with Jesus Christ and he's still playing those same mind games with us today in 2023. What are mind games? The things that distract you from serving God and give you an identity you were never meant to have. We know these things, fear, doubt, insecurity. In fact, they're called something different in scripture, in the book of 2 Corinthians, in the 10th chapter. It says, Paul writes, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Can you all say it with me? For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So many people think that spiritual warfare is some red guy with a pitchfork, when in reality, oftentimes the strongholds and the mind games that are established in our thoughts are put there by the person looking at us in the mirror. And when we allow ourselves to repeat a negative thought too often, we give way too much energy to hell. You either own your thoughts or your thoughts will own you. This is how I want to illustrate it. It's kind of like this. So I want to get something that we can all kind of understand to show us how Satan actually works. Is that okay? So I got this big old barrel. That's full of dirt. Anybody have any idea what the strongest land animal on earth is? Anybody have any guesses? Elephant, hippo. Rhino. An ant? I'm not talking about like per capita. I'm talking about like literally elephant versus ant. (coughs) 1230, we'll try it again. It's the elephant, spoiler alert. It's the elephant. You look an elephant in the wild, uh, those things can barrel down an entire herd of anything without skipping a beat. They can knock down a building without breaking a sweat. Elephants are strong. Okay, But you take that same elephant and have it born in captivity, and it's a different story. What happens in captivity is this: a zookeeper will take a a wooden stake. It can be small. It's a small wooden stake. And what they'll do is they'll tie a string to it, and they'll put it in the dirt. And then they'll tie the string around the baby elephant. And, you know, the elephant's not really able to yank it out quite yet. So it tries to go and it can't because it's staying within its confines. It tries and tries and tries, but it can't break it quite yet. But in a year or two, the elephant is able to, but slowly over time, it stops trying to break free. And by the time that elephant is fully grown, zookeepers don't even use a stake anymore because the elephant has convinced itself in its own mind that the stake is still there. You ever heard that elephants have a great memory? You know who else does? We do. I wonder if it's the same way in our minds where we know we can break free, but it's been there for so long, it's becoming who we are now. Maybe you're here and the stake that you're feeling has been holding you back. But there are a a few things that we can do Find a lie in our life to try to remove the stake and get ourselves into a sound mind with Jesus that we can pull from Scripture. How do we have a sound mind? How can we own our thoughts? First, we need to identify the lie. We need to identify the lie. And this may be the toughest one. There's going to be four of them. This may be the toughest one because you're going to have to confront things that are going to be a little tough in your past that either happened to you or you did. But you'll never fix what you won't face. And once you have the lie, you have to hold on to it. Identify the lie. Number two, you have to reject the lie. Identify the lie and reject the lie. Tell yourself, that's not who I am. That's not who God's making me into be. That's not who I want to be in Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you what, your emotions may have been the thing that have been tr- controlling you, but With the God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, I refuse to be controlled by my my emotions. And your emotions, let me just say this, your emotions never reveal the quality of your life. They simply reveal the quality of your thinking at any given time. Identify the lie, reject the lie. Maybe you're here today and the stake, the lie, either that you've told yourself or it was told about you at one time, is fear. If I can be honest, this was mine for a majority of my life. That I'll never mount up to anything, that I'll never be good enough. Fear of failure, fear of being a, a good dad or a good worker, a good son. Maybe yours is fear. Maybe you're here and the lie that has been holding you is guilt that you've been haunted by something you did in the past or you said in the past, and we have this guilt that we know, we know, we know, we can pull on and yank out of the ground, but we're, we're just, we're so used to it that if we even try, it's going against everything we've known for so long. Maybe you're here, and the lie, the, the stronghold that's been holding you back in our most connected phase of human history is that you're lonely, that you have no friends, no matter how hard you try, that you can never seem to connect with people. Maybe you're here and there's a pain you're facing, whether it be physical or emotional, there's something that has happened to you that you can't seem to shake and the pain has become who you are now in your own mind. Maybe you're here and you've been attending church your whole life. I don't mean to step on toes, but I'm going to. Maybe you're like, I don't have any of these. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm a good Christian. But maybe in that you become complacent about your walk with Jesus. And you started to say, my church attendance is what's going to be able to pull me through. Here's a sure sign to know if you're complacent. Is spending Jesus a chore to you? Is spending time with Jesus a chore to you? Let me ask you this question, when was the last time you prayed to Jesus? Because this is what we do. We get complacent and we have our string that's attached to us and we know we have done nothing for the Lord and we spent no time with the Lord and we have done nothing to be like Christ and yet we call ourselves Christians because we half-heartedly attend a church service and think that's what's gonna get us through. And we say, I could. But you know what? I'm going to do this instead. I'll work on it next year. I'll work on it in 2024 or 2025 or when I'm older. And soon we're able to do this and cling on to the thing that's supposed to be a nuisance to us has now become a comfort to us. This is the big one. Maybe you're here and the stake that's been holding you back is your sin. I'll ever only be a sinner... I'm caught in this sin cycle. I can't break free no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do. It, I, I can't escape the thoughts. And no matter what your stake is, it's inhibiting you from serving God, preventing you from serving God, and giving you an identity you were never meant to have. And it's become your identity. But enough is enough. And Jesus said, Enough is enough. Because in the next verse, what we can learn is that one, we have to identify the lie, two, reject the lie, three, now, identify the truth. Satan was tempting and tempting and tempting and Jesus said, enough is enough. In verse 7, he finally says, it says it was written. Can you all say that with me? It is written. Let's try that together, ready? It is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus used God's word as his defense and his weapon against mind games. We need to be using God's word and God's word only to define who we are. Identify the lie. reject the lie. Identify the truth. And finally, number four, we need to meditate on the truth. Jesus showed us how to do this. Because I'll let you in on a little secret. And again, I might step on toes, but you know, Jesus didn't wait until the temptation in the desert to start memorizing scripture, to start living in God's word. No wonder we are so bad at handling temptation in the 21st century because we believe that we can go all our lives without preparing for the test. And then when the test comes, we're ill prepared for it. And we feel like we can't hear God's voice. You know when a test is going on in school, think back when you were in school, did the teacher give you the answers then or was it in class that they prepared you for it? You'll never hear the teacher's voice during the test. You have to remember what they taught you before the test. But God hasn't left you. He's still there. And you have to speak the truth over yourself, not just knowing it, but believing it in your heart. I am a son of God. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. And I'll pray scripture over myself because that's what I need. Not that I'm the hero of scripture, but I know that the hero of scripture speaks to me through his words. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to believe in my heart that it is written. I'm gonna be strong and courageous. I will not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord my God goes with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me and I'm gonna start breaking things and I'm gonna believe the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. I'm gonna believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that even in this I will fear not. For he is with me, I will not be dismayed, for he is my God. I'm going to believe that even though I sow in tears, I will eventually reap in joy. And finally, I'm going to believe that even in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. My prayers in 2023, we would speak the truth over us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. There are going to be good times and there are going to be tough times, but the thing about a sound mind is not that the enemy will go away or that the temptation will go away or the trials will go away. Because Jesus actually promises us the opposite, but it's having a sound mind that allows us to say, even in this storm, I'm going to worship, I'm going to be grateful, I'm going to give thanks. Even in this storm, it is well with my soul. Even in this dark valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Would you guys stand with me? That's having a sound mind. And the reality is there are so many people here. Maybe it's you who I'm talking to. Who you would be honest with yourself and you say, I don't have a sound mind. I need to pray that God would heal my mind. I don't want to go one day further into 2023 without having him with me. Because there's a stake that's been holding me back. Aren't you tired of the guilt? Aren't you tired of the shame? You can get rid of it today through God's help. In a moment, we're going to worship. But I'm going to bring a little bit of Wednesday to y'all. Because on Wednesdays, we open up these altars. And we flood them with people who know that they need Jesus. So we're going to worship And we're going to worship as if we actually believe God has given us the truth in his word. But if you know you need a sound mind in 2023, these altars are open.